You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another special edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You people will not stop blowing me up. He has returned, and he has so graciously decided to come back, but he wanted to come back for this in particular. Get to that subject in a second. Please welcome back my good buddy, Joe. Hey, CJ. What's up? Glad to join you on this whatever it is afternoon. I mean, let's be honest. We're not uh, keeping track of the days anymore. I mean, no quarantine is... Pretty this rough, is, and we're all going this, crazy. This, this is just day, my friend. It is it is day after day after day. It's no Monday through Sunday anymore. It's oh, it's day day. So well, happy day to you. Happy day to you, my friend. Anyway, so this is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, uh, and today Joe and I are going to be talking about something he is very passionate about. At least one particular thing about this person. Today we're going to be talking about the Undertaker's undefeated streak. No way, I'm going to be on an episode where I get to talk about Taker? When does that ever happen? A lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. If not every single mention, you could mention Taker. If, if for those of you who don't know, Joe's favorite wrestler of all time, who he thinks the greatest of all time is, which go back and listen Gold to Goldust. <laughs> and, and The Undertaker. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that guy too, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so a while ago I had Ed come on. He talked about his favorite wrestler, Eddie Guerrero. It was a tribute to him, and now we're going to be talking about The Undertaker's undefeated streak. So, going back, um, when we were younger, the streak was the big was the big thing at Mania. Um, Undertaker's undefeated streak became its own special marquee thing because he had the undefeated streak. Um, we'll get through some of like kind of the timeline uh, in a, in a little bit, but uh, but. But um, what would what would you compare like a lot of those matches to, Joe? Like when you saw that Taker was face was having a match at Mania during the streak, um, I would assume for you it was probably the most excited match you get as a kid. Like most match you would get excited about as a kid. Yeah, I mean, funny story. The first ever um main or the first ever pay per view I ever watched live was WrestleMania twenty. Uh, every pay-per-view before that i would you know have tape uh, my dad would have it on the vhs and i'd you know go ahead and watch it there but i made sure that i watched wrestlemania 20 live because that was when undertaker came back as the dead man and everything and really from then on i watched every wrestlemania knowing that my main event even though it wasn't always the main event it hardly ever was but my main event was always just when taker came out and wrestled and from that point on damn near every match was honestly the best on the card or in the runner up. So it, it was the Super Bowl within the Super Bowl for me and I'm sure a lot of people. Yeah, I mean he had his matches had that effect on people and the streak became a thing of it of its own where uh you know there were a lot of times when you figured that maybe they'll put it on they'll do it with this person or they'll do it with this person and they for years they didn't whoever Taker was in the ring with they did an amazing job of making you wonder in the match like Oh my God! This is it! 
oh my God, this is it. Where most of the time you're just like, ah, you know, they're not going to have anybody beat the streak, but they can always hook you. They always really do hook you. Um, but I guess just going into it a little bit, we'll start going into the history a little bit. Uh, the first, I mean, the first n- number of match, however ma- many matches there were, not necessarily the most exciting. I mean, you mentioned to me off mic, Taker's first match, WrestleMania match against Jimmy Snuka lasted four minutes and 20 seconds. I light it up. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously Jimmy Snuka is a is a well known res- uh, legend wrestler in 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 the business. Uh, not just to a hardcore fan, but just to casual casual fans because he was at a time where, you know, like my dad and your dad know who Jimmy Superfly Snuka is. My grandfather knows who Jimmy Superfly Snuka is. Um, I mean, obviously we were a little too young to remember this stuff. Well, I mean, I remember these matches because I always made sure I went back and watched them, especially like, you know, because I watched every WrestleMania and I watched every Undertaker match twice as much. So I, I probably have a little more uh, memory of these matches and Jimmy Snuka, you know, it, it was what it needed to be. It was his first mania. This was back when he was, you know, the dead man who could feel no pain and everything. So it just made sense that someone like Snuka couldn't touch him, you know. So while it wasn't very uh, entertaining you know, it was, it was it was what it needed to be. Okay. We move down the list and we see that Jake Roberts, the following WrestleMania, um, was this one. And I will fully admit, like I really didn't start seeing any of Taker's matches at Mania until maybe like um, probably going to say Kane, like at the first WrestleMania they had, probably that one. Mm-hmm. Um, then we move on to Jake Roberts. Um, this one says like six minutes and thirty six seconds. What what about this one? Uh, it was kind of similar to Snook a match, but I'm I'm pretty sure that they had other stuff besides this match. Like the Jimmy Snook a match, I'm pretty sure was kind of a one off thing. But I do believe him and Jake Roberts did have a bit of a feud. Uh, I don't think it lasted very long, but I mean, just thinking about how Jake Roberts and Undertaker and the kind of mind the the mind games or whatever that they would uh, throw back and forth at each other, that seems. That you know, on paper, that seems really cool, but the match didn't really reflect it too much. But again, it's it's one match. Uh, it, it seems like one of those things where you would would you would have had to see the feud in order for you to get more out of it. I guess so. I think also because Jake was a um, one of the biggest names at the time, and Taker was still very much on the rise in stardom. That I guess they just wanted to put him in the ring with someone a veteran like Jake Roberts, similar, I guess, to like Jimmy Snuka. Um, and he didn't have like a yeah. crazy gimmick or anything, but he was kind of similar to Taker in a way where when you talk, when he talked, you listened. You know, he was kind of quiet. He wasn't like the other guys who were go around screaming at Mean Gene. You know, he was he was very calculated. He was very you know, he had an aura to him. So you know, it makes sense that him and Taker would go toe to toe. Yeah, he definitely did, and he still does to this day. Um, and I mean, it's not be- gonna it's not gonna beat their greatest match, which would happen next year. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> oh my god, uh, this is one I actually did see from the earlier WrestleManias. <laughs> so this one is definitely something WWE wants you to forget. And I'm pretty sure if you go back to those old What Culture videos with Adam Blompier, and I'm pretty sure this is in the ten things WWE wants you to forget about the Undertaker. Um, it was against Giant Gonzalez. Those of you who don't remember Giant Gonzalez, he was a very hairy man on his head, and he had a beard, but they made him wear 
a suit, a bodysuit with hair on it. Not like actual hair on it, but like drawn in hair. Oh, no, it had actual it, hair. Oh, it did? Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I think in the chest area, he had like hair, fur, or whatever it was. Okay. They, oh, possibly some ball throw action. Who knows? They drew on pecs, abs, and nipples. When they couldn't, I don't know. I guess the man wasn't hairy enough himself for Vince to for Vince to make him wear that. I don't know, but but this match um, probably would have to say is is probably the worst of Taker's matches in the streak. I mean, it was a reflection of the WrestleMania in general. I mean, it was a horrible WrestleMania. It was a horrible match. It was it was kind of like a car wreck, though. You couldn't uh, you luck away. The only positive to come out of this. Was this is one of the better Undertaker entrances in all of, in this entire list because he came in with that huge ass Raven or Crow or whatever it was on the side and that was cool. the chariot thing that was a really cool and it was like in the daylight which is very rare for Undertaker entrance so the entrance was cool it was just you know just forget the rest of it yeah the daylight thing eventually became a thing of just like we can't handle Taker coming out in the daylight which he comes out in the daylight later on uh, but. I do remember that entrance though, and that big ass bird he had. That was pretty sick. That's probably the only highlight of that entire WrestleMania. I'd like to talk to the person who thought it was a good idea to have this huge monster of a man get chloroform and pass out the Undertaker. I mean, that's like looking into WWE's future with like every heel being a chicken shit heel when they don't need to be a chicken shit heel. If you're if you're a big if, if you're a big monster, you can just be a big monster and be a heel. Like that's. There is a thing such as a monster heel. I don't know. What but a weird match. It is. Uh, and then he faced Bundy at uh, WrestleMania. What does that say? Uh, that would be that's, 11. That's 11. Okay. So this is after he missed WrestleMania 10 with injury. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of similar to uh, Snooker and Roberts, but I, I feel like at this point, it, it kind of it got a little tiresome because you wanted to see Undertaker do more of WrestleMania. And mm-hmm. it was just another one of these things where, hey, let's just throw a huge guy in front of an Undertaker and you know have him win. Like I don't know. You, you want something a little better than that. Yeah. Uh, I'll kind of brush through these next few ones, but we'll start to, d- to dive into some of the ones that got really more important. Like uh, in the next one, he faced uh, Diesel. Uh, which I would think at the time must be a pretty uh, pretty big marquee match. I mean, at that, at that point, though, both those two guys were two of the bigger names in the company. Uh, and I think this is a really underrated match. I mean, when people think of Taker's really good matches, I don't think they really ever talk about Diesel. I mean, this is really his first good WrestleMania match, I'd say. I mean, it went on for almost 17 minutes, uh, and... You know, they were just trading blows, and they actually had a legit good match going on. Hard to say from a match from Kevin Nash. <laughs> just uh, Diesel. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> big daddy cool, big sexy. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, next he faces Psycho Sid at WrestleMania 13, and he wins his, f- I, I think it's his first WWF championship. Uh, no, this was his second. So this first okay. one actually came against Hulk Hogan. Right, right, right. And Frick Flair helped him win, and then Hulk Hogan won it back like a month later or something like that. But I think this was his second championship reign. At this point, I would say Taker's really starting to get um, really good as a baby face at this point, right? Uh, I mean, I've, he was always he was always kind of a baby face, but I feel like they kind of leaned into it a little more here. 
Um, the, the thing that really hurt this match was the fact that it wasn't in, involved with Bret Hart. You know, uh, this match should not have been the main event. You know, so that that really hurts because this is the WrestleMania that it was Bret Hart and Stone Cold, wasn't it? Yeah, which was a great match. But I think yeah. the, I think with this WrestleMania, I think they wanted to have the last blow off match between Sean and Bret. But uh, I think this was around the time when Sean said he lost his smile and he was going away for a while because he didn't want to put Bret over because it was supposed to be. Um, I think it was supposed to be Sean won the first one and then Brett was going to win the second one at Mania the next year and then they were going to have a blow off at either SummerSlam or maybe the Survivor Series when the screw job happened I'm not sure but uh that's why I think Sean just went like um oh, you know I've lost my passion I lost my smile and he leaves and then yeah and then they put. I feel like this match kind of has a uh, problem that a lot of modern WrestleManias have, where the main event is just you know everyone's tired. It's not really the main event people want to see. So yeah, you know, and plus it was a pretty long match. I mean, it was well over twenty minutes. I mean, he doesn't have another twenty minute match until what's it? Edge. <laughs> oh my god. Twenty four. So it was really long. It wasn't good enough to be that long. So eh. Wow. It was whatever. The following WrestleMania, he faced Kane. This is the first time him and Kane have a match at Mania, uh, leading up to uh, when when Kane de well from when de Kane debuted at uh, Bad Blood, where Vince just like that's gotta be Kane, uh, just <laughs> yelling off and shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's definitely one of the better rivalries um, in Undertaker's career and probably just WWE in general, but. This match tends to kind of get a little bit of flack because it was kind of slow. It wasn't really, it wasn't really what it could have been. But I think because I'm pretty sure this is the first pay per view where Taker and Kane actually, you know, fought each other. Yeah, so I feel like was. what they were trying to do with this match is really show that Kane is this really powerful thing. And even though Taker lost, Kane still got up and beat his ass afterwards. So I mean, I, I feel like this was kind of like a more character match than anything. It wasn't supposed to be anything, you know, it wasn't supposed to be some five-star worthy match. It it did what it really had to do, and the two characters, seeing seeing them both in the same ring opposite each other was just really cool. So, yeah. Sometimes I look okay. back on it pretty well. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to have matches that progress a character or story and not just the matches sometimes. You know, Meltzer, Alvarez, I like you guys, <laughs> but come on. Come on. <laughs> um... So next he faces Big Boss Man. Uh, that was only about like maybe ten minutes or so. Uh, the following WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17 X7, whatever you want to call whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. You're just gonna go over the fact that there was a literal murder in the middle of the ring with the Big Boss Man? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I mean, was that that's was the biggest part of the match. He hung him from the top of the cell, and Boss Man just died. That's... He's dead. That's something I never understood. <laughs> like when WWE tried to kayfabe kill people, it's just it just never works. Uh, it's, and it sucks because that was the only mania where he had his ministry gimmick, and it was that. Ugh. Why? I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta remember the the how good the work was. <laughs> 
for and, I'm, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean like Bossman being killed on TV. I mean like you know Taker's ministry work. You know because like look at look at Punk's uh, Straight Edge Society that was really well done and that didn't last very long. And um, when you look back at that Mania match, I think he was I don't know what I think he was facing Rey Mysterio. But anyway, the point is like sometimes the work doesn't and WWE with your character doesn't necessarily get to shine at WrestleMania. But you gotta be happy with with the work that eventually did happen, which from what my understanding, if I remember correctly, that's when you actually start to really like Taker because he's about to sacrifice uh Stephanie to the to the yeah, devil. Bl- forced blood marriage. Oh Christ. Okay. Anyway. Then it's WrestleMania X seven, seventeen, whatever the fuck you want to call it. There's the F bomb. Um against Triple H. I think about at this point, this is when people started to realize that Taker, maybe people backstage at least, Taker had a streak. Because I don't think they acknowledge a streak for the next couple of WrestleManias after this. Well, they Taker acknowledges it next year with uh, Ric Flair after he beats him. He kind of holds up the 10 because that's when he was 10 or no. And then I mm-hmm. feel like Adrian and Big Show was the first time they really mentioned like, oh, by the way, he actually has a streak and we're mentioning it on television. But this mm-hmm. match specifically, I mean, I say that Diesel was his first good Mania match. This is probably his first great Mania match. I mean, X7 yeah. was obviously probably the best WrestleMania in history. And That's... this is just an incredible match to I start will, out. I will go one further and say that WrestleMania X7 is the greatest pro wrestling pay-per-view ever. It is absolutely perfect. There's not yeah, it's bad, hard to argue. There's not a bad match on that entire pay-per-view, which maybe I'll go watch that later today. I uh, haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, nothing better to do. We're in quarantine. So you didn't... Yep. <laughs> That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you are right. I believe this is probably Taker's first great WrestleMania match he had. Um, him and Triple H always had really great chemistry together, which we'll get back to Triple H later on in this streak. Um, but yeah, just being a part of that WrestleMania, just having that awesome match. And di- is this the one when uh, Limp Bizkit came, or is this another couple of WrestleManias later? No, that was 19 with uh, Adrian and Big Show. Okay. Right. <laughs> WWE's but, favorite band. But he was Biker Taker, though, at this point. Yeah, he was Biker Taker. I think he came out to, um, what was it, Kid Rock or one of those. Okay, Kid Rock came, all right. All right, the following match he got, the uh, following year, he got to face Ric Flair, which Taker uh, and Flair speak very highly of because when Flair got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2008, I believe, uh, he spoke very highly of Taker uh, at mentioning this match and how much that Flair wanted to work with Taker at this WrestleMania. Yeah, I believe Flair, like in this stage in his career, he was kind of was um, he was kind of worried that he lost it, and this match kind of showed him actual Ric Flair that yeah, okay, I can still go, I can still you know have a career for a little while, and uh, the. The storyline leading up to it was great. I mean, Undertaker would condemn his son, and you know he was beating his ass. And then during the uh, the match, you know, Ric Flair just you know bladed like every other match he does. <laughs> it, it, it was a really good match, um, but it was really important for Ric Flair because I think it really got his confidence back. He had mentioned that in the the Hall of Fame speech, you know, that he felt like he was in a slump in his career and that he did, wasn't sure if he still had it. But Taker wanted to work with him. And he helped him get his confidence back. And it is at this point where actually, actually, I don't think Taker ever shows up for the Hall of Fame. 
that's how much he lo- that's how committed to kayfabe he was that he never ever showed up for the hall of fame yeah i don't think he did even though it would be completely okay i think the one time of the year like if taker's gonna break kayfabe on wb programming it, it's the hall of fame well, if there was any time to do it, it would have been then because he was biker taker, so he was, you know, a human, I guess. So yeah. I don't know why he didn't then, but whatever. I don't know. Well, I'm talking about uh, Ric Flair's Hall of Fame speech. At that point, he was dead man undertaker. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about then. Yeah, yeah. But but nowadays, I think Taker could easily just because he's broken kayfabe at this point, and I think he can easily just show up with the Hall of Fame because he still doesn't at this point, from what I understand. Uh yeah, I don't think he has up to this point, but I think he should should start doing so with the whole you know documentaries and stuff coming out. So people yeah. already see what's behind the curtain. Yeah, which maybe when that's all over, we can talk about that. Yay! All right. Uh, the next WrestleMania, uh, we we mentioned A Train and Big Show. Uh, this was originally supposed to be a tag match, right? Was he supposed to have like Heidenreich or something as a tag partner? No, it was um. Oh my god, I forgot his name. But um, it was a guy who they were really high on. I don't know if he was a tough enough winner or something like that. Wait, but... I, think, I think I might remember his name. Um, Luther Reigns? Was it Luther Reigns? <sighs> I don't think so. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know. You keep talking. I'm going to look it up. All right. Anyway, yeah. So this match was originally supposed to be a tag match. And I think it was A-Train Big Show who beat up uh taker's tag partner like they showed the bathroom like he was passed out after like a train big show started walking out and then it was turned into a handicap match which didn't last very long and then i think his tag partner came out after the match after taker had won uh it was kind of during it so it was nathan jones that's who was supposed to be his tag partner and he kind of dropped off the face of the earth because he just never got better um, but, uh, yeah, so he, there was some sort of shenanigans going on and then he came out big, gave, uh, one of them a big boot and then Undertaker eventually won the match. Yeah. This is like, a, it, it was nothing special. It was just, yeah. Eh. yeah. I mean, that's not a bad, at least mania. it didn't go on too long. Yeah. This is not a bad mania at all. Mania 19 is pretty good, but, uh, but this is not a, one of the better of takers matches for the streak. Yeah, for sure. Next is WrestleMania 20, what you were mentioning earlier. Your first WrestleMania you watched live against Kane. This is in God, Madison, I love this match. This is in Madison Square Garden. Looking, I watched that back a while ago because I'm. I remember I'm looking at it here. It's like seven minutes and forty five seconds. As a kid, when I first watched this, this felt like forever, and it felt amazing. Looking back as a now as an adult, like the match is okay, uh, but. I guess your perspective is different as a kid. I mean, the way I always saw it was, again, this is another match where it wasn't supposed to be some five-star classic. This is just Taker being dead man again. It's you a know? story. It's a story. Uh, yeah, of course. And even though it was seven minutes and 45 seconds, it felt a lot shorter than that. I mean, if, if, for me, at least, the match felt like it was a couple of minutes. But, you know, it, it was just saying, hey, I'm back, I'm bad, and, you know, screw everybody, I'm going to, you know, take the company by the balls and run with it. It was just the, this match was the purpose of bringing Taker back as the dead man character. It, necess- it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't necessarily supposed to be like a five-star classic. But sometimes WrestleMania isn't always about the matches, it's about the moments that happen. And Taker coming back as the dead man is for sure uh, a WrestleMania moment that everybody remembers. 
And that entrance is one of the best entrances, not for just for Taker, but just in WrestleMania history. Hearing Paul Bearer go that, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It yeah. gives you chills. Paul Bearer coming back, everything like that made it extra special. You haven't seen him since, you know, what, 15 against Boss Man? So, I mean, this is yeah. five been, years we haven't been, seen him. He'd been gone for a while. The following WrestleMania. Now, this is when Taker really starts to, well, not really, but, uh, this is a good match. Him against uh, Randy Orton. And it says here in notes that the first time Undertaker was challenged explicitly to end the streak, this was also where the streak was given its name. Oh, okay. Uh, against, Res- against Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. I remember this one. It was not long, not short either, but uh, but it was like it says fourteen fourteen, uh, which is a pretty decent uh, runtime. Th- at this point, Randy Orton had had a long feud with the Undertaker, or he was starting to get into a long feud with the Undertaker. Um, he was definitely a guy who they had their their hopes on of being a top guy, which he did become a top guy. He's a hall of fa- he, he's a future Hall of Famer at this point, and. I think this is one where people really like this is this is this is when the matches start to happen when you start to think like oh the streak's going to end the streak's going to end like it was starting with this. Yeah, I actually think behind the scenes they this was supposed to be the one that they were saying oh we kind of want you to beat the streak and I think I think it was Randy Orton who said no I don't want to beat the streak. Yeah. Oh no, I, you know what? I don't know if it was him or Edge. It was one of those. I think it was both of them. I think they both said like we don't want to beat the streak. I mean, either way, two things real quick. A lot of people will say that his huge streak of, you know, amazing Mania matches starts in, with Batista. I think it starts here. I mean, yeah, next year's Mania wasn't all, all that great, but this match was really good. I mean, and something that I didn't, I forgot to mention from last year's Mania with Kane, this and last year's had amazing builds. I mean, the mind games that he would play on mm-hmm. Kane and on Randy Orton were just incredible. And, of course, Randy Orton had his father with him, too, here, uh, Bob Orton. And oh, it, it was just really, really cool. The, the the entire atmosphere leading up to the match was awesome, and it just made the matches even better. So these matches, it kind of hurts it when you look at it in a vacuum as just the match without giving any of the um, context before so. Yeah, and this WrestleMania was fantastic too, uh, just overall, and it added to the layers of how good it was. And at this point, like, I mean, I don't, I can't even remember at this point, but I'm pretty sure no one was kicking out of the RKO at this point. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe Triple H, maybe Triple H had kicked out of it at this point, but honestly, like when Taker kicked out of the RKO, everybody freaked out. No yeah, remember, this is after he was already, you know, he was a legend killer. So he was already uh, getting rid of guys like Mick Foley and all them. So you you almost thought that Taker was just next on his list. You know, it was really believable. Yeah, but but yeah, this is a really great match. And probably one of, if I remember correctly, this is, I think this is Orton's first singles match at WrestleMania. Um, Maybe. I think so because the pro- the year before it was a handicap match between him, Flair, and Batista against Rock and Mick Foley. And yeah, I think this was Orton's. Hey, first, right. I think this is his first singles match of Mania. Hmm. But this is fantastic. Um, the following year is a classic 
casket match with Mark Henry. Um, this was okay. It wasn't really that special. It was about as good as a casket match can be between him and Mark Henry. I mean, the casket match I was never really a huge fan of anyway. I don't remember many casket matches where I was like actively, wow, this is an amazing match. So this is a, a given. It is what it is. I mean, and, and you know, a guy like Mark Henry, it's kind of hard to do things with him because he's so damn big. So, eh, it was about as good as it can be. Yeah, but this is where we lead into the next couple of WrestleMania. Oh yeah, we lead into not just two great WrestleMania matches, but a good few years of great matches between these next two guys. First, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 23 against Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. This I remember vividly because this was actually the first WrestleMania I watched live. It was this WrestleMania. Um, so the story was that Taker won the Royal Rumble. Um, he was the first guy at number 30 to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, he challenged Batista. And I remember specifically Teddy Long was the ring announcer for this match. I don't know why. But maybe because him and Taker have a lot of history together. Well, he had a hard time for hard, uh, hard on for The Undertaker. Anytime you saw a heel, <laughs> you know, you're going to go one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker player, you know. Yeah, every time. Yeah. Um, but this was a really, really good match. And Batista, he had been in the company for a little while, and he had been world champion a couple times. But he was still kind of at the point where he was still kind of proving himself and Batista goes on to say, like, getting to work with Taker was the best thing that ever happened for his entire career. And if I remember, um, this was one of the best matches on the show. Like, it was between this and then uh, Michaels and Cena uh, later that night. Yeah, these next seven matches are either by far the best matches on the card or just about there. Um what an amazing match. And anyone who says that Batista can't wrestle, just watch this match and then shut up. Yeah. That, <laughs> and, that's one thing. I yeah, and understand. I think this was his first uh, World Heavyweight Championship reign too, uh, The Undertaker. And this was really yes. the beginning of one of the best feuds in history with that three-way between him, Batista, and Edge. It went on for like two years. People coming back and screwing each other over. Oh, my God. It was, it was so good. One of the main main reasons that made me like just love Edge so much, and um, I carried SmackDown for years. Yeah, all three of them did. Which leading on to the following WrestleMania, WrestleMania 24, I watched half of this WrestleMania live. I remember I was at my grandparents' house that day, and then my and then my dad got the pay per view right before, I think right before Flair and Michaels. But this was the main event. I remember being shocked that the WWE title wasn't the main event and this was the main event. Mm -hmm. But I was excited. This was... This is one of my favorite matches that Edge's ever had. It's could be Edge's best rivalry ever. You could argue. Um, but like you said, this, this all started when the previous WrestleMania, when Undertaker and Batista started their feud. And then later on that year, Edge cast in Money in the Bank on The Undertaker, winning the World Heavyweight Championship, which him and Batista started a feud. Then later on, they all got into feud. And then leading into this WrestleMania main event, it was a submission match, uh, if you remember. It was a submission match? I thought it, he just happened to win by submission. Oh, it's a, sorry, he won by submission. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used Hell's Gate. Yeah, because I remember, because Edge really hit 
uh, took him towards the limit because last year's match with Batista, it was really good, but this one was kind of it was kind of hard to believe that Batista was going to beat the streak. This one was really close. I mean, oh yeah, Taker had to. I mean, this is the first time he won a Mania match with a submission. You know, he he couldn't keep Edge down, and you know he had to re- resort to Hell's Gate in order for him to beat him. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was just great overall. It, the 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 storytelling between the two was amazing. Again, you really felt like Edge could actually beat the Undertaker, and I don't even think this capped off the feud. I think they continued on for oh, yeah. a couple of months. And again, it's just not much you can say about it. It's amazing. It's probably maybe my favorite Mania match that Edge has ever had. And maybe. it's really saying something because they followed up Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean, any other match would have a really tough time because that's a huge emotional moment. That was a huge match, but man, they lived up to the hype and <laughs> they ended the show really good. When you're like, talking maybe about the, maybe the last great main event <laughs> in the WrestleMania, um, was it? Uh, or was I, one of the Taker Michaels matches main event? And I forget. Yeah, we'll probably we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, this was like a really great main event. I mean, when we Mania is at this point, you're, when you're talking about the best match in the card, it was either a Shawn Michaels or an Undertaker match. It was one or the other. Yeah, and this point on, every other match has was over 20 minutes, so they're just long epics. Yeah. Which, leading into, the following WrestleMania was the first WrestleMania match between him and Shawn Michaels. This match, oh my god. I don't care what anybody I mean, it's says. the greatest of all time. It's the greatest WrestleMania match ever, and you can say it is the greatest match ever. It's just absolutely perfect. It sh- probably should have main evented that year because, honestly, this is the only really great match in the entire show. I mean, the Money of the Bank ladder match is good. Um, Jericho against three legends was okay. Snooka was the one who carried that entire thing. Which is between the three legends, um, Randy Orton, Triple H did not live up to the hype. Uh, it was it was just an okay match, and but this was the was the gem of the entire WrestleMania. Like I remember, yeah, it's the gem of WWE, really. <laughs> yeah, I I remember when, I remember this is the point where I st- started to kind of fall out of wrestling. It was these like around this time, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. But when I watched these this match back, I was just like, oh my god. Like, that's the best match I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, if you, if you have a buddy and you're trying to get him into wrestling, just show him this match. And if he doesn't like it, then it's not meant to be. No, it's not meant to be. <laughs> I loved this. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, it's just hard to say something that hasn't already been said about it. I mean, him missing... Uh, that big leap over the top rope, almost breaking his neck. All the fake uh, camera guy, uh, the, the the fake falls and everything. You know, you can't say enough about it that hasn't already been said. I loved uh, the build to this, where Michaels was the opposite of Taker, where he's trying to be like you know, heaven and godly, you know, born again Christian and all that shit. You know, wearing the the white uh, white jacket and the white hat, ascending from heaven. And then Taker having the entrance where he comes up from beneath, like from the depths of hell, you know, light versus darkness type of thing. I really like that element in the build of the story. Um, and 
again, it is just the greatest WrestleMania match, greatest match ever. Um, which they did so, they loved it so much that they did it twice the following WrestleMania in the main event this time. Oh, so that was main event. Okay. Yeah, it was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, the streak versus Michaels' career, and no disqualification match. The buildup um, was better, I think, because yeah, Shawn build- Michaels really, you know, you could see the desperation in his eyes that he wanted to get Taker. And I think this was Taker's last title reign, and Michaels screwed him over in Elimination Chamber. And then yes. Taker finally said, you know what? Screw you. I'm retiring you. The buildup was is that it was Slammies or something, and DX was still a thing, I think. And Shawn Michaels was like, you know, Undertaker, I can still, I can beat you. I know I can beat you. One last time, WrestleMania, you and me. And Taker refused, and he said, like, all right, I know what I have to do. I have to win the Royal Rumble, and I have to challenge you for the World Heavyweight Championship because that's the only way I'm going to get my match. And then Michaels, Michaels in that Royal Rumble, he loses it when he gets eliminated. He's super kicking everybody in sight. He's beating the shit out of everybody because he's just so distraught. That he's like, I can't believe I lost. Like that was my chance. That was my chance to face Taker. He didn't care about the, he didn't care about the world heavyweight title. He cared about beating the Undertaker. That's what he wanted to do. And then, like you said, the Elimination Chamber match. You know, Michaels hiding under the ring, underneath the great grating in the Elimination Chamber. Super kicks Shawn uh, Undertaker, and Jericho wins the world title. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is that the same Hell uh, Hell in a Cell Elimination Chamber where he got burned? Um, or that, or that I don't one, think so. Or the one I prior? Could be wrong. I don't know. Because there was it's one, possible. there was one Elimination Chamber match where he got second to third degree burns on yeah. his chest, and he just kept pouring water on himself the entire time. Like, if you need to question the toughness of this man, watch that entrance. Watch him work that entire match. Like the the guy is one tough son of a bitch. I mean, how his hair didn't burn off is beyond me. I mean, I if you really if you watch that video, I mean, he was in that fire. Like he was really in there. He was very lucky to come out of it. Like, and we we, we, we were in WrestleMania that against CM Punk, which we'll get to later. You felt how hot those freaking flames get. Oh, we were my far God. away. We were on the very top. It was cold that night, and it warmed us up. <laughs> warmed us up. I thought my eyebrows were gonna get singed. I mean, that's some <laughs> hot shit right there. Oh my God. But anyway, this main event um, wasn't as good as the previous match, but still great. It was still in that long line of great Undertaker matches. Uh, And it was something that wrestling fans really couldn't bear to see. Like, they didn't, like, it was two things they didn't want happening. They didn't want Shawn Michaels to retire, and they didn't want the streak to end. But uh, this was Shawn Michaels' last match. we're not going to talk about the Saudi Arabia shit. That's just, you know, we're going to say this. This is Shawn <laughs> Michaels. This is Shawn Michaels' last match. He always um, had hair. He was never bald. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought it was an amazing way for Shawn Michaels to go out. Uh, another notch in the belt of The Undertaker in his streak. And uh, just probably Taker's, uh, it's two of his best matches. And you could probably say are his two best matches. Um, yeah, I'd argue that. And uh, but I would say Shawn Michaels is for sure Undertaker's best opponent. At, at yeah, and great for Shawn Michaels because how many times do you see people have their last match be one of their best? Exactly, not too many people have that, and I think that's why he wanted to retire then. Um, and Taker then we... should have took his advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, 
I mean, hey, Taker and Sean were both in that match at Saudi, so. Yeah, yeah. But moving on, we go on to Triple H. Back to Triple H, and now he's kind of involved with this whole thing. Uh, WrestleMania 27 in the Georgia Dome. No holds barred. What I loved about this, not even just the match, I just love how it was set up. It was so simple, and it was done so well. I remember watching Raw when this happened. The Undertaker returns. He's about to say something on the mic. Triple H returns in the same segment, walks down to the ring. They they square off face-to-face. They're staring each other down. They both glance at the WrestleMania sign. They give a head nod, and then they walk away. And that's how the match set up. Just simple, simple stuff like that. Yeah, and when you uh, talk about films and shows and whatever else, you always say, show, don't tell. You don't, you know, you'd rather just have your character emote what they're feeling. And this is just an amazing example because it doesn't happen often in, wrest- in wrestling. You know, usually it's promos and, oh, I hate you. Oh, I hate you. Let's fight, whatever. This yeah. is just, you saw them. You saw their eyes. You saw their demeanor. You were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And it was. It was really good. It was the best match in a shit WrestleMania. <laughs> and another one where he had to uh, win by submission. It was really close. He, he really thought he was going to w- lose this one. Yeah. The way they set this up is definitely for the following WrestleMania. Um, the way they set this up for the following WrestleMania because Taker didn't walk on his own power. And that was a big thing they kept playing and Triple H kept saying over and over again. Um, which it was much better how they set this up rather than Rock and Cena, which they pretty much used this WrestleMania to for the following WrestleMania. Like WrestleMania was used as a placeholder for another WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, th- this this WrestleMania was not that good. There were a few good matches. This was the best in the entire card. Uh, they really beat the shit out of each other in this WrestleMania, uh, and it was very close to thinking that Triple H was like could have beaten uh, Taker at this point. And all these matches made you feel something, man. I mean, when you saw Taker not be able to get up and get carted out and everything, you were just like, holy shit. You're what worried. did we just watch? We're very worried. Um, but then again, leading to the following WrestleMania at WrestleMania 28 uh, against Triple H inside Hell in a Cell, Shawn Michaels was a special guest referee. This is where everything kind of leads together. Like, I think, and I think you can say, th- from... Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25, all the way to Shaw, uh, to Triple H at WrestleMania 28, those are like his best WrestleMania matches. And I feel like this was Undertaker's last great, uh, last amazing WrestleMania match, and one of his last best matches was this match against Triple H. Because I was convinced in this one he was going to lose. And it was the one yeah. moment where... You know, Triple H is beating the shit out of Undertaker. He's hitting him with a chair. And Triple H is barking at Shawn Michaels, End it, or I will. And he, Shawn Michaels is pleading to Taker. He's like, Taker, please, man, don't don't keep doing this. Just, just stop. He's not going to give up. And he's like, Shawn, don't you dare stop this match. And then I think at one point, Taker, like, pushed him. Michaels hits a super kick into the pedigree. I'm like, that's it. That's it. It's done. It's over. It's over. The streak is over. And then he kicked out, and I lost my mind. And one of the things you really remember, the welts on their backs. 
Oh my I mean, God. their entire back were just black and blue, all swollen. It was it was disgusting. I mean, and they, when you look at the match in general, I've heard some people say, "Oh, it was kind of slow." Blah blah blah. Shut up. I mean, it, when you think about the Shawn Michaels and Triple H matches, it kind of was all leading up to each other, and this was kind of the Avengers Endgame of this whole saga. You know, where it might not have been the best one, but it was certainly deserved and everything you saw was just making sure it's as big and as dramatic as possible and goddamn it was i mean it's not his best match at wrestlemania it's definitely like in the top five. Oh, for sure no uh, question but, but it was like his last amazing match he had it was incredible it was the best match in the entire card for sure um uh so yeah, th- this was just a, again. This was like the match where I was absolutely convinced that the streak was over. They they hook you a bunch of times, and you think it's gonna happen, but this I was absolutely convinced, like it's over. There's no way it's effing over. Don't go want to go over quota with the f bombs. Anyway, <laughs> already got your one. You can't do yeah. no more. Yeah. So now we move on to the final match in the streak, which we mentioned before. We were at this WrestleMania with our buddy Ed. WrestleMania 29 against CM Punk. This was the best match in the Mania card, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I really appreciate the fact that they actually did the whole Paul Bearer thing because, you know, some people say it's, taste, it's tasteless to, you know, use someone's death to further a story. But honestly, like, I'm sure... Paul Bear would have wanted that. You know, he was a guy that really cared about the business. He was a guy who was like, you know, anything to make the 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 product better. And you know, what CM Punk did to just really make you see oh, what a piece of shit this guy is. You know, yeah. and even still, even all the heel tactics he used, you remember that stadium was split right down the middle. Absolutely, Taker, CM Punk, no one was on the right on the same side. I was rooting for Punk that night. I was wearing my Punk shirt, uh, my one, my one of many. Well, it's the <laughs> um, only shirt you wore at that time. So. Yeah, I was like a CM Punk shirt. So it's no wonder <laughs> I, I got like you know. Yeah, the odds were cri- good. Crystallization in the armpits from deodorant and white from the deodorant and yellow pit stains. Like it's no wonder. Like as, as far as my CM Punk shirts go, there's probably like only two or three that I could probably keep wearing. Nowadays. Unless we know you wear deodorant. <laughs> yeah, at least not many wrestling, <laughs> not many wrestling fans do. <laughs> and I'm not fat and hairy and overweight, so. Well, 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 I am fat, but I'm not overweight. Anyway, so, <laughs> but this, but this WrestleMania was um, looking back at it. Um, it wasn't a bad WrestleMania. It was decent. Like I think everything leading up until this match was 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 it was a solid show. Yeah, what really killed that WrestleMania for me was the the more main event matches besides this one. Because I, th- I believe there was like three big matches. It was a Brock Lesnar match, this one, and then Rock Cena. And I remember this one being good and the other ones being whatever. But everything yeah, before that was pretty good. It was, it was uh, Brock and Triple H. Um, And I remember it was like stupid because Heyman, the situation was like, oh, your career is in the line if you lose. I'm like, he's not he's not losing. Yeah. There's no way he's losing. But um, but leading to this match, like, like you said earlier, when Taker came down to the ring... That fire from that stage, holy shit! Like, it was freezing that night because we were up in the upper level. We were like 
upper level, but like the first row in that level. Like we weren't way in the nosebleeds. Yeah. But the fact that we were cold to the point where pff, the fire comes up and we feel it, like that shit was hot. I had a buddy of mine who went to that WrestleMania also, and he was way up in the nosebleeds and he felt it. Yeah, and for everyone who's never been to MetLife Stadium, I mean, if you're on the third deck there, you are like touching the birds flying on you. I mean, you are high up there. Yeah. God damn, and, those things are hot. And that that fire was was fire. Uh, it, it, it was it was just. <laughs> uh, it but it but it was, like you said, you felt like your eyebrows were about to be burnt off. Um, Punk, I loved. I loved his entrance too because he got Living Color to play Cult of Personality live. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was sick, man. I love that. Oh my god! Uh, but this match was great. Um, at this point, you could, I would say, like a lot of wear and tear. At this point, was starting to get to Taker because uh, from the previous WrestleMania match, he had uh, against Triple H, he had not had an appearance or a match in WWE since. Well, I, I, not appearances. He was there for the buildup, but he hadn't had a match since since the previous WrestleMania. And I was about to say that too, because you can tell, like, he wasn't doing all the stuff he usually does in WrestleMania. He didn't jump over the top rope. The old school that CM Punk um, uh, reversed, you could tell that he wasn't he wasn't um, comfortable with landing on doing that move because his hips were all messed up. So yeah. the fact that he he got a great match with CM Punk is, you know, just Amazing in and of itself. Well, it shows the testament how good Punk is because Punk brought him to the really yeah. great match, and it was you could tell it was mainly Punk who brought him through it. But it was also at this point Punk was messed up too. At this point, like he was battling through a lot of it. Like if you go back and listen to the podcast with Cole Cabana talking about his time with WWE before he left, he was really messed up at this point too. I think he was dealing with a messed up knee. Um, I think his back was messed up as well. I can't remember everything, but he specifically said like he was dealing with like two or three injuries in that WrestleMania, and he couldn't get any time off. And he got a little time off when he, after that WrestleMania, and they brought him back early for that pay per view against Jericho in Chicago. Uh, but yeah, Punk was dealing with a lot too. So the fact that the match was that good when Taker was obviously dealing with a lot of shit and Punk was dealing with a lot of injuries himself, it's a testament to show just how good this match was. And remember, he was actually hurt during the match because he did that uh, that elbow drop on the outside on the announcement table that yeah, was supposed he, to break, but it didn't. It hurt he, his ribs. He, yeah, he messed up his ribs in that match, and he finished. I'm like, Jesus Christ. What a miracle that match was. Like that, I mean, that table was for sure supposed to break. It was for sure supposed yeah, yeah. to break. And then Brock and Triple H ended up breaking it in the following match. But overall, this was Taker's last Amaz- like last amazing great WrestleMania match during the streak. And it was also the final match in the streak's history. Well actually no. It was the final victory in the streak's history. And it was the and it was the final WrestleMania match of CM Punk. Oh, I thought he had one more after that. I guess not, huh? No, he left right before WrestleMania thirty. Jeez. Rumble twenty fourteen. What a shame. Yeah, but hey, that's only something we can say. If he never comes back to wrestling, we'll say, hey, we got to see CM Punk's last WrestleMania match. Yeah, and you know what? Again, with the with the with how hurt these guys were, you know, that match could have been what happened next year. It could have. It, it could have been that bad. <laughs> but leading into the following match, 
This is when the streak dies. Brock Lesnar. Do you I think they would have had a good match if Taker wasn't concussed? Or do you think Taker was too far gone at this point with you know his I, hips and his back and everything know. else? I think there are some things in the documentary to kind of discredit the things that have been said about. I don't know, but I've been seeing some article headlines about it. I have to go back and watch it. But I think it's fair to say that we know that Taker's not proud of this match. Um, we could tell something was wrong. We could tell that this wasn't... I don't think this is what the match that they wanted to have. But I think overall, in a way, it did kind of add to the story and kind of add to the in the moment of the streak ending. And it did help Brock become the the beast that we know him, the, the, the conqueror, as Paul Heyman says, that we know him to be today. It helped him, but I, did he really need that help is really the big question. Well, it was this match that led Brock to like the like the the boss that you have to beat to, you know, to win the whole game. Like this was the match that propelled him into that, like to the Brock Lesnar we know today. Yeah, but um, wasn't he that already? I mean, he was beating everybody anyway before this no, match. No, he wasn't because when he came back against his first match against Cena, he lost. He beat Triple H at SummerSlam. Then he had a match I believe against Triple H again at WrestleMania, he lost then. And then I don't think his next match was until this WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken. Because I thought he um, he had that match against John Cena where he just pretty much took Cena out of commission for a while. Or was that after this match? That was after. That was SummerSlam later that year. Oh. Like, at this, Brock Lesnar was not the beast. Like, he was not, like, the monster that we know who he was. It was this match that made him that. And you nah, can, I'll, I'll forever argue that he's not the one who should have ended that. He, they could have made him that without him beating the streak. He did not need that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they've tried to use this. Like, they tried to use this. Like, the I mean, the guy who ends Taker's streak, like, oh, my God, they take him to superstardom. But I think they tried to use that over time with guys like Roman Reigns and, um, I mean, yeah, Roman Reigns and now Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, you know, propel them into superstardom with their WrestleMania matches against Brock Lesnar. Well, with Roman, they didn't even pull the trigger with him at Mania. They, they did it at, at SummerSlam. Yeah. But essentially to be like, well, the guy who beats the streak, like that's that's the guy to beat, and then that's Brock. And if you beat Brock, well, that's a big deal. Um, this Going back to like just focusing on Taker, this moment, this was a moment that you that we honestly just couldn't believe was actually going to happen for most fans. I, f- I feel like in the back of our mind it could have happened, but I remember a lot of us were just like, "Why did it have to be Brock?" Yeah, and you'll never and we'll never forget after that three count, no music played. Everyone was just fucking. I'm sorry. See, that's my one. I'm sorry. Okay, it's all right. It's all <laughs> right. Everyone's. They were just shocked that that one guy with his eyes damn near popping out of his head, Undertaker jaw guy. on the floor. He was I a mean, meme. He was a I meme. Mean, that was all of us. He was a meme for like you know years. Every, <laughs> every, every everything like shocking posts anybody put up on Facebook, I would use that. Any yeah. any like you know diss in our group chat, I would use that as a reaction for everything. Um, but yeah, like 
nobody could fathom that Taker just lost and it was kind of meant to be like, you know, make you think, was that a botch? Was that supposed to happen? And then you see 21 and 1 um, pop up on the screen. And there's, I don't know if you've ever seen that. you ever seen the conspiracy theory that Heyman put out there to say that Brock really beat the streak and he decided, he said, F it, I'm going to take it from him. Beat the shit out of him and just I, pin him. There, I remember there was a plenty of um, plenty of conspiracy theories going around about what actually happened and what should have happened. I don't know. I feel like that whatever happened meant to happen. It's just that the way it happened probably wasn't how it was supposed to go. Because again, Taker was so concussed and he didn't know what was going on. So the entire match was kind of a mess. But I do think they uh, they wanted that uh, uh, result. I think so. I think they did want Brock to win. They wanted Brock to uh, be the, the one to beat the streak. But uh, but I think that in the way of it happening, that they just needed to like they just needed to end it because you know Taker was he was concussed. He was messed up. I mean, there's footage. I don't know about footage, but like the WrestleMania thirty twenty four special. If you watch that footage back, like when he gets into the gorilla position, he he collapses, and he, you can hear Vince going, "I need some help back here," and yeah. Vince Vince rushed the hospital with Taker to make sure he was okay, and Vince what didn't even stay for the rest of the show. That's how much Vince loves Taker and how much he means to him. Well, freaking Taker was had his back for the, his entire career, and when things weren't looking that good with WCW and everything, he was there. So. He was I mean, a guy. He, he he better have that kind of relationship with Taker. He never. He was always loyal to Vince. He never left. He never jumped ship. He never left for more money or any of that stuff. He's like he was loyal, and and Vince always holds Taker in high regard. Um, but looking back, um, Taker had a few matches after the streak was over. He had a match against Bray Wyatt, which was much better than the, than the previous WrestleMania. I actually watched that WrestleMania back not that long ago. Very underrated WrestleMania. Um, that was an okay. And you can tell Taker wanted a little bit of redemption from last year. He was like, "Nah, I can still go." Yeah, which the match against Bray was. Uh, it was good. It wasn't great, it was but, fine. but it was okay. Um, I think the following year was it WrestleMania 32. Um, I think that was Shane, right? That was Shane. That was weird. That was weird. Uh, I mean, apparently his belly button popped out in that match. I just saw an article <laughs> earlier today saying that someone with his belly button was wrong during that match. I mean, the whole match, that whole match was pretty much to build to the spot of Shane jumping from the cell. That's yeah. all that match was. That That's all it was. Um, and, and then, then Taker put in the gloves in the middle of the ring afterwards, and we we're like, oh, what the hell does that mean? No, that was, that was wrong. Really that mean was... anything. Oh, oh, right, right, right. He just put the gloves. Oh, yeah, that WrestleMania. I yeah, it was just a glove. Roman was the one where he put like the hat, cat, uh, the hat and coat, and everything in there. And at that point, it should have ended. Like that's the perfect way for the character to end. Uh, I think it should have ended earlier, to be honest. Probably, but because, like I said, even those you know Shane and Wyatt matches were fine. Taker's career isn't fine. He's one of the best, if not the best, to ever to lace boots. You don't want to end on fine. You want an ending like Shawn Michaels got. You know what I mean? And Some, while sometimes Brock you don't get that, and a great match, it would have been a perfect moment. It's like streak ends. He's done. That's it. 
you could probably argue that's when Taker probably should have retired. But I think at that point when he put the gloves and everything, he kisses his wife on camera. And then he, you know, raises his fist in the air, one last thunder strike, and then down he goes into the stage. Which everybody was wondering, like, how the hell is he going to get through that that rampway? Because that was friggin' long, that (laughs) rampway. WrestleMania 33? Like, it might be the longest that they've ever had. But, um... Well, it was the last great WrestleMania stage. Because every stage after that was just a a screen. Like, yeah, real... Mm. 30, 30, 34 was a pretty decent stage. That was a pretty good stage. Which one was that one? Uh, that was that was Brock and Roman, Nakamura and Styles. Uh, that was when Brian came back. Uh, uh, it, I can't remember that, that one. 30, like, that's when like Roman kept kicking out of every single finisher, and he was bloodied up for real in the match. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the stage. I can't remember the stage. Oh, oh, the, oh the stage. I mean, it was all yeah, right. Whatever. It, it, looked yeah. like a, it looked like a giant jester hat, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> I liked it. I thought I thought it was funny. I mean, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, one's, that one's all right. It's better than a friggin' giant TV screen, which I didn't even yeah. get to see at that WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then the following uh, WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 34, we finally get the John Cena match, but nah. it's not what we expected. It was just pretty much Taker's greatest hits. It was probably the best match since. CM Punk. <laughs> I mean, it was because quick. it was legitimately entertaining from bell to bell. Yeah, because at this point, because I like that Cena was drinking in the crowd for most of this WrestleMania. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Like he's just like, and I, I think they panned over to him when um, when Charlotte beat Oscar, and they show Cena's face. He's like, "Oh shit, she won!" <laughs> like being a fan. Yeah, was um, that the match where he kind of like cucked him because he went out and he was like, "Oh." He's here, and then he ran out. So he, yeah, so, cause, yeah, I think that was the one. And then you see Charlotte's face, like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, so there goes my moment. Screw you guys. I mean, I thought. I mean, like, I felt like they could have done without that. Like they could have yeah. done, but at this, but when you look back, Charlotte has had so many friggin' moments. Like it doesn't even hurt her. Um, yeah. And then Cena comes out for a promo. Says Undertaker, you, I hear you're here. Let's go. And then it, you think, and then Taker shows up. I think the moment in it happening was really cool. Um, it was entertaining, but again, it was a very weird build, you know. I mean, honestly, I think that was the best possible scenario because if Taker and Cena had a full length fifteen to twenty minute match, I don't think it would have been that great, honestly. Because again, this I, th- I think this is still this is right after Taker surgery and everything, so I don't know if he was ready to go for a full match. I think Cena could have brought. Taker to a pretty decent match, but I, it's safe to say that Cena and Taker probably should have happened a lot sooner. Oh, yeah. um, and then this year's Wrestle—he uh, didn't show up for WrestleMania 35, but this year's WrestleMania match, he faced AJ Styles in the Boneyard match. I know you didn't watch Mania this year, but um, I have to say that with the—I've I- praised WWE for these cinematic little features that they've been doing. Uh, this was a very different take on what they can do. Like honestly, they could get away with Undertaker having matches if they keep doing it in this format. Um, I think I don't know if they should keep doing it that way. I think every once in a while, but not like, if you want. If every Taker match is going to be pre-recorded and everything, I don't know. I don't I know f- how I feel about that. That's the thing. That's the thing. I, it should be used sparingly. It's not like oh, it's every time, but. 
I feel like they can get away with Taker in this format. I think it took them eight hours to film that. That's what I read. Eight hours to film that thing. That's not, um, that's not even all that long. That's actually kind of short compared to what I thought they would have take, uh, taken. Taker came in with his biker biker persona. He he was under but biker taker again. Uh, he didn't come down to you know Kid Rock or or Limp Bizkit. He came to Now That We're Dead by Metallica, which it's a decent song. But I'm like would have preferred like you know Biker Taker's old entrances. But anyway. Yeah. It was it was really well done. I liked this. Uh, it was one of my favorite things that happened from me this past year. Um, I do think if the pandemic had not happened, the coronavirus thing, I honestly think we would have had a match between Taker and AJ in Tampa, and I think AJ would have brought him back to one last great match. Absolutely. That's my... Because for my money, AJ Styles is the best wrestler in... in NWE, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, he's just that damn good that he can get a great match out of anybody. And plus, he's a kind of a lighter guy, so Taker would be able to actually lift him because I know a lot of people wanted to have him versus the Fiend or something like that. I'm like, that's a really dense human being. I don't know if Taker would be able to do everything he could with a guy like Bray Wyatt over someone like AJ Styles. So I know it, I it sucks that it have to happen this way, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good for what it was. Um, after this, do I want to see an actual match between Taker and AJ? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, if they could build... Because they've that, they've talked about that, that possibly like, that they might do Taker and AJ again at some point because they've teased it. Um, if they could build that to WrestleMania next year, cool, in, a, in an arena. But... Um, but overall, when we look at the Undertaker's WrestleMania matches and his streak, um, I guess because we're, it's clear that we that we think Brock Lesnar probably shouldn't have been the person to do it. Yeah, for sure. There's no way. If you could have redone that, one, would you have ended the streak or kept it? And two... Who for you would have been Taker's last opponent at Mania? I honestly think that the streak should have just went on. I mean, I know Taker's a very old school guy, and I know you always go bow on your back, but the streak is just one of those things that there could have been an exception there. I mean, it, it was just such a special thing that's never going to happen ever again. The fact that it ended the way it ended, to whom it ended, it just leaves a really horrible taste in your mouth. I think that they could have kept the streak intact, then retired him at like SummerSlam or not SummerSlam Survivor Series. Cause that's, you know, the pay-per-view he debuted at. So it still would have been a nice retire, uh, retirement, uh, um, segment. But if it were to end, yeah, for sure. It wouldn't have been Brock Lesnar. I don't know who was big at WrestleMania 30. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted like Daniel Bryan or anyone to take the streak cause he was already doing his thing at WrestleMania 30. But I think the streak should have ended with CM Punk. Because I don't know if that would have kept CM Punk with the company because he had his health issues and everything behind the scenes he didn't like. But it definitely would have been a better chance because he wanted a huge WrestleMania moment. He wanted to main event Mania. And while he wouldn't have main evented it, what bigger Mania moment than to beat the Undertaker streak in a great match? 
CM Punk would have been a great choice. Um, probably they de- they definitely wanted Taker to be there for WrestleMania 30. Um, for me, if we're going by what WWE has done, I would have had Taker just retire after WrestleMania 33, because I think that moment of him taking the co- the coat off, the gloves, and the hat, folding them up, and leaving them in the ring, and then it no one touched it for hours when they were breaking down the set. Um, I probably would have done it there and actually capitalized on the mega heel heat that Roman Reigns got that night afterwards. Cutting the greatest heel promo of all time, standing there for five minutes in the ring, dealing with all the boos and everything, going and then saying, this is my yard now and leaving. I mean, greatest heel promo ever, and they didn't capitalize on it. But I digress. Anyway, um, for me... Looking back on it, I would have had Taker's WrestleMania 30 opponent be John Cena. I would have had him beat John Cena. John Cena would have beaten the streak. And that could have been worse. It could have been, but you turn he- Cena heel in the process. <laughs> well, let's be realistic, CJ. <laughs> I know. This, I'm fantasy booking you, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, I'm, 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 I think something like that, or just or I just would have had it done with someone. You know what? You know what would have been better? Bray Wyatt would have been better. Bray Wyatt probably yeah, would have been. I actually been, thought about that. Yeah. Bray Wyatt probably would have been like a, a great choice, which I'm surprised you didn't say him. Um, well, I, I completely forgot about him at WrestleMania 30. But. I would think probably Bray Wyatt and Taker would have been a better match. Um, You know, and Bray beating the streak would have propelled him into superstardom. Well, we hope. Bray Wyatt had a very rough time with booking in WWE with his character. Uh, but I, I think at this point, it would have propelled Bray into superstardom. It would have brought him into a whole new light. And Taker, like you said, he is old school going out in your back. And I think that he would have put over Bray if that was the decision to be made. Yeah, if there was anyone to beat the streak, it would have to be some young up-and-comer that hasn't gotten you know superstardom yet. But I will say one thing, um, even though I don't think the streak would have ended, there is a really good thing that came from the streak ending. A lot of people, when they were talking about Taker up until WrestleMania 30, they always mentioned the streak, always mentioned the streak. And, you know, that, that the streak almost overshadowed the rest of his career. And people almost forgot all the amazing stuff he did that wasn't a WrestleMania match, you know? So now that the streak has ended, people were more likely to look at everything else that he's done and was like, oh, wow, yeah, I completely forgot about this. Oh, I didn't think of that. You know, so there's good. You want to say that one more time there, pal? You kind of cut out. Oh, I did? Uh... The, at the, 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 the very end. What was the last bit of it? Oh, I was just saying that, you know, there was a uh, – there's a good and bad to everything, you know. Again, I don't think the streak should have ended, but that was a positive that came to light. Now that the rest of Taker's career can now be looked at a little more fairly, so, you know, now that you don't have this big streak looming over it. I think so. Uh, it's definitely one of the things that makes Taker so famous and popular is because of the streak. But uh, I can see your point. It did. It, it, if you look at it, it can kind of overshadow the ama- other amazing things that he's done in his career. Um, 
like because you talked about earlier with the the Edge and Batista rivalry that didn't it wasn't just WrestleMania, you know, it was a two almost two year long feud between all these guys. You know, the great matches he had, other matches he had with Edge and Batista, uh, matches he's had with Triple H, uh, you know, the stuff he did Stone in the Cold, Attitude, Stone like Cold that. Yeah. in the Attitude Era. Uh, I mean, the Hell in a Cell match with Foley throwing him off the cage. Yeah, or the Hell in a Cell match with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, de- the debut of Kane and everything. Yeah. Um, the Royal Rumble match he had with Shawn Michaels where Michaels broke his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I broke my back. Um, my back hurt. Spinal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it can kind of overshadow the things he's done, but I think, but I think every wrestler has that. Like they have something that they think of immediately. Like you know, Taker has the streak, uh, like the big thing in their career. You know, Austin. Austin, you know, has everything. <laughs> He's just every, every 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 segment. It's like, you know, stunner. Here comes the beer. Everything, you know. But we've talked about it before. Taker is a very special character in pro wrestling, and he's the most important and best character to ever be created in pro wrestling. He's uh, so in a way. The streak, I think, just kind of adds a layer to his amazing character and his work. All things have to come to an end, I guess. I guess so. But um, I mean, buy the WWE Network now to watch his uh, documentary. Only nine ninety nine a month. You're waiting for me to tell you when all the parts come out because you canceled your network subscription. Oh, uh, I'm giving them as little money as humanly possible. Screw those guys. But I do have to watch that documentary. That's a must watch for me. All right then. <laughs> well i guess that at that point we could uh end it there we uh hit a little over an hour i think what does it say here hour 13 minutes not bad all right all right so anyway this has been the not another wrestling podcast joe thank you so much for coming on i know this was uh one uh topic you were excited about it's your wheelhouse because i remember we tried doing this with ed and he's just like um i don't know much about this <laughs> yeah, it was good. I think it was pretty good timing with the yeah. whole documentary and everything. So it all worked out. Yeah, and when the documentary is over, we can come back on and talk about that. There we go. All right. Anyway, please be sure to listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbeam, wherever you can find your podcast formats, apps on wherever i don't know i can't speak to myself today please follow us at tnawp on twitter the not another wrestling podcast on instagram like us on facebook the not another wrestling podcast so for cj palmasano and my good buddy joe we'll see you next time